Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to OsteoCast. It's Amanda here with Colby and Sarah. Hello. Colby's giving us peace signs for those of you that can't hear him talking. And uh, we tonight on our podcast, we are going to talk about bowel movements and poop and how frequent, how often, what's normal, what's not, um, and maybe how osteopathy can help with regulating that function. So uh, one thing we learned very early on in osteopathy school was uh, talking about your bowel movements with your colleagues and professors was actually a very normal topic at school. Uh, which I think for first year was a little bit uh, alarming, but you get used to it pretty quickly and realize it should be a very open topic. It shouldn't be this taboo subject between people. Um, Making sure that you go to the bathroom every day on a regular cycle or some people have a different normal and we'll go through that, but it's very important to get your bowels moving, make sure you have good digestion happening and that shows you that your body's getting the nutrition it needs. So my question to all the listeners is who actually gets up after they take a poop and looks to see how their poop looks? I do. I do. Good. It's something that's, uh, that's obviously a good idea to stand up, take a look, because how it looks and it's – I mean, obviously you don't pick it up and feel it, but how it looks, <laughs> if it's in a big log, if it's Please dark and hard, if it's loose stools, all of those things – matter to find out what's going on with your digestive system. And that can lead to a number of things, whether you need to go see the physician or if you can go to your osteopathic practitioner or just having an idea in terms of how your nutrition is. But I would suggest that you definitely at least start taking a look and see what they look like. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what some of the different looks could mean or if you need to go get looked at. Definitely. So I think an obvious one that you should um, go to your doctor for is if there's any blood in your stool, um, which hopefully for listeners at home, you would know that that's what we call a red flag, but it just means you should probably circle back to your doctor and just make sure that everything is okay going on inside your body. Anything that's not the standard color of poo, which everyone has the idea that brown, and sometimes it'll get a little bit yellow, it's not a big deal, but if it's if it's any sort of red, black, or white to it, then it's something you definitely need to go get looked at. Of course, it's so if you've eaten beets, your poo will be red. Don't panic. Just remember what you ate as well if it matches the color of your food. Some people don't know that. Good point. Yeah, your, pee, your pee would generally turn pink or red too with eating yes. beets. It would actually. Yeah, with your bowel movements, you want to just take a look and see the texture. Obviously, like a a healthy bowel movement is is one or two long logs that come out all in one piece. And they should not float and they shouldn't just sink right to the bottom. They should kind of have a smooth consistency going down. It shouldn't be anything exaggerated one or the other. If they're floating, uh, that means that there's something going on in your bowel and it's not digesting some of your foods, particularly your fats as best as they can. So that's something to consider with your nutrition and or uh, how your digestive tract's working. We are not going to get into extreme detail about the digestive tract because that is uh, the scope of the physician. But there are things to consider in terms of where digests fat. And of course, you guys can look that up and take a peek as well. Um, and then obviously, if you have loose stool, 
then it, usually that means that your digestive tract is irritated and it's trying to get whatever's in it out as fast as it can because it doesn't want it in there. It doesn't want to absorb it. It doesn't want it to absorb into the body and make sure that those toxins get out. Perfect. Another thing to mention is that bowel movements shouldn't really be hard to pass. So they shouldn't be painful when that's happening or there shouldn't be any um, cramping before or after you've passed a bowel movement. Yeah. Another thing to add with that, your bowel movements, unless you've filled the entire bowl, uh, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't streak the toilet bowl. It should be uh, consistent enough and holding together well enough that it shouldn't streak all over the bowl uh, as you flush it or as you take the bowel movement. So if that's happening, it's another thing that something's not quite working properly in the digestive tract. Um, but essentially, the story is your poop should be easy to get out in long logs and proper color because as soon as you get outside of that little phase and I just did it on my Instagram page recently talking about poop and bowel movements um, for the Broco Clinic uh, talking about some of the consistency and some infographics on the page and I can share those infographics when we post this podcast for you guys as well Uh, but just to consider anything that's not the normal there's something going on in the digestive system. Definitely. So if a client came in to see you guys and their symptoms included, you know, loose bowels, not as far as diarrhea, um, they had chunks of peppers in them, for example, some chunky food, what would you recommend or what would you say regarding uh, getting treatment or even like change in diet? Um, So... Yeah, I mean, diet is definitely without is outside of our scope unless we have some kind of a certification that gives us the qualifications to do that. Um, so we can definitely recommend you to def- different pretend different other practitioners. Wow, um, <laughs> in that realm, if that's something you're looking for. But as far as treatment goes, it's important to make sure that the pelvis is moving really well, um, that all the diaphragms are moving well. So your um, diaphragm around your rib cage, your pelvic diaphragm, um, and also your thoracic inlet outlet, and as well as your OA, um, or the top of your spine where your head, head meets your spine. So those are places that I would just look, um, to begin with. We're always going to treat the body as a whole, like we've said multiple times before. Um, but look, those are kind of the places that I would start. Yeah. And as Amanda said, the nutrition component, we have to pass on to uh, another professional, unless of course, uh, we have previous or Uh, further nutrition training. But uh, with that said, we can guide people to just eating healthy and nutritious. We can't get into meal plans and macronutrients and micronutrients, all that stuff. But if you eat good, healthy foods, you eat plenty of fruits and vegetables, you have a varied diet, then your digestion should be good if you're not eating things that are going to irritate your stomach so much. And you don't have to be a nutritionist or a dietitian to know that drinking things like pop or big processed foods and eating all kinds of candy and stuff is not going to be good for your digestive tract. So keep that in mind when you're doing that. And then as it comes for treatment, just as Amanda said, she's looking at the the neurology and the blood flow to the digestive tract to make sure that it's working well. But depending on what's going on, if it's too loose or too hard or it's hard to get out, either way, it's an expression of the bowel not working properly and it's innervation from the autonomic or like the autonomic nervous system, either parasympathetic or sympathetic side in terms of how much water is being absorbed or how much isn't being absorbed and how quick things are being pushed out. So something to consider is the autonomic control, but then also the structural mechanics around it. So your digestive system is surrounded by the pelvis and some of the lower ribs and then the spine in the back. 
And then we also have the linea alba, which is basically a big tender ligament that passes down the middle of your abs. You know, like the line that would be in the middle of your six pack, that's where your linea alba is. And if there's any sort of restriction or stress on any of those regions, then you're going to have restriction or stress or compression on some of the digestive organs and or uh, the neurology and or blood flow that controls it. So well said, yeah. Colby. I was also going to bring up a lot of clients on the forums mention they have IBS. So exactly kind of what we're talking about, disrupted bowels, disrupted tummy problems, and uh, everything Colby said mechanically. We just want to make sure that the fuse box is working well. We have good motion. Um, we talked about the thoracic cage and also making sure those ribs are moving. So there's a little neuron sitting behind each rib that plays into the sympathetic nervous system that allows your digestive system to work well. So if we don't have good moving, good motion through the rib cage, it's going to also affect how you're digesting food, especially if you've had this problem for quite a long time. It's definitely worthwhile getting assessed and possibly treated and see if you can see some improvements over time. Yeah. And another thing to consider when you're looking at digestion is the pressure needed to actually have a bowel movement because it doesn't just slide out. Your body does have to exert some pressure to push it out. Shouldn't be a lot. It shouldn't be a hard thing to get out, but your ability for that rib cage, the thoracic cage and the lungs and the diaphragm to position itself so you can exert that pressure down on the organs and use the internal organ musculature to help push the bowel, like the bowel movement out is important. So again, if that thoracic cage isn't working as it should, then that can be a complication. Exactly. Which this just goes back to our principles, but I mean, these effects can be so widespread throughout the body. It's not necessarily just about the bowel or the hip or, you know, the left hip, because that's kind of where the colon comes down and sits. Um, and then where the poop is going to travel on its way out, but it's about all the other pieces that need to come together to work well. Um, so it's important that you get all of those pieces looked at and taken those things need to be taken into consideration so when it comes to treating individuals who have problems like this what's a time frame look like for treatment or seeing results or seeing change the time frame is going to vary based on the lesion at hand based on the pattern at hand so ideally i mean if in a perfect world hopefully within a day or two of your first treatment there's some sort of a change but in all honesty, depending on the, the severity of the lesions, it could be as simple as a pelvic restriction that's causing it. And it could be as complicated as a, an imbalance in the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So you have to take care of the, the whole thorax, but also then re, I'm going to call it retrain the, the nerves that are responsible for the bowel movement or responsible for controlling the digestive system. So sometimes that could take a handful of treatments and or some time outside of the clinic. And sometimes it also includes changing some nutrition or eating more nutritious foods so that those nerves don't get irritated by what's going in as well. So there can be anything from a couple of days to months. It just depends on the severity of what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Depends on the person, depends on your lifestyle, and just depends also your health bank account. How long have you had this problem for and what else is going on? And you got to remember like – we talk about we're talking about digestion and poop and i know we've we've touched on it before but it's important cuz really the body needs a couple things to function movement is one but movement steers all of our functions may that be breathing may that be digestion may that be thinking may that be fluid movement etc but really we need proper respiration so that we get the waste products out and oxygen into the blood the blood system so that all of our 
uh, cells can be provided with oxygen to function and other things, nitrogen and get other things out. But then also digestion is the secondary one because that's where we get our proteins, our carbohydrates, our fats from. And that's all of the energy and nutrients that our body uses to do work, but also that it uses to repair cells that are either damaged or being eliminated, just like your skin is constantly regrowing. regrowing so we constantly need protein and nutrients to do so. And if your digestive system isn't working right, which works hand in hand with your lungs and breathing, as you can hear us talking about, then you're going to have issues with the function of the body in general and healing because those things aren't working right. So it's important as we keep noting back to digestion and breathing is that that's basically our engine. That's our fuel for our body to, to heal itself. And you guys have heard us talk about before with principles and osteopathy. It is about the body healing itself and, and being self-healing and self-repairing, but it needs to have the proper fuels and the proper supplies to do so. Exactly. And when we talk about people getting better or seeing a response or, or getting that self-healing and self-regulating principle going within themselves, this is such an important topic. And this is often a topic I have a conversation with with clients is that this stuff has to be working first before you're going to see the results in that pulled muscle or that, you know, the hip that's sore, or the low back that's sore, because if none of this is here, they really can't. You don't have anything in your health bank account, like Sarah was saying, to actually expend, spend money on to fix those problems. This stuff, this stuff is the first thing that's got to start working. Yeah. And then to add to it, there's a transport system that needs to be working properly, which is the, the blood vessels and the lymphatic system. Yeah. So again, if there's any sort of issue there, none of those nutrients get there and your, your healing is lessened, your, maybe your inflammation, your swelling doesn't drain because it can't get out. So as always, when we get an osteopathy, you start getting deeper into the conversation. You either get so focused on one thing that you miss the big picture or you go back to the big picture where it's like everything needs to be working properly in order to heal. But that's the art of the treatment with osteopathy. It really is an art that you can actually assess and see what are the complications at hand? What are the lesions at hand? And how do they add up to a lesion pattern to show you what is the cause of the problem and then what needs to be done to fix the cause? Mm-hmm. And also so important to reassess each time patients are in the office because things should have changed when you come back. Like your your primary lesion pattern might not be gone, but the things that are feeding into it or moving around it, um, we should see some kind of change in the tissue texture or how you're moving or um, where, how your bowels are moving, like right from those, those things. Absolutely. Definitely. You're not going to get results if you're not both uh, assessing and reassessing within a treatment and from treatment to treatment, because mm-hmm. that's how you see where the result is. And that's how you then gauge what needs to be done in treatment, intensity, frequency of treatment, whatever that may be. Yeah. And that a dog a- is flapping around. Can you guys hear? <laughs> that was uh, Hi, Jack. It's cute, I promise. Uh, Amanda, that was such an important point you made because um, just thinking back to my own practice, you know, when they when people come in with, uh, you know, a pulled muscle or a sore hip, they want that hip to get better, and they don't necessarily <laughs> think about the respiration, the breathing, the bowel movements, making sure things are coming out clean, and all of their most important bodily functions are working as well as they can be before we kind of worry about you know their hip feeling better. And um, so, of course, we want to help you with your pain, but ultimately, we just want to allow your engine to run better, run more smoothly. Um, so even when you go see your, any doctor, you go see any healthcare professional, uh, just keep that in mind. You want to get the full engine running better. And sometimes that takes a bit of a longer process depending what you've been through and how long it's been there. Exactly. 
And what I want some of the listeners to think about, if you guys listen through this, what do you think happens if this engine we're talking about is not working properly? For example, if you have a broken bone or a surgery, how do you think that it might affect that? And send us a send us a DM on Instagram at osteocast underscore just to converse with us and go over that because it's it's kind of interesting how that may affect different procedures if it's traumatic injuries or surgeries or whatever, right? Yes, exactly. Definitely. So. So going back to our main topic um, of bowel movements, what are the, oh, I can see Jack now, Colby's dog in the, is now in the video. Um, what are, what would you say is normal as far as frequency goes for bowel movements? So this is a common question that I ask people when they come in is how often do you go to the washroom? Do you go every day? Is it always solid? Any blood or mucus? Um, but, and then I always ask them if that's normal for them. So what, what are what are some of your thoughts on? Well, normal for them is an important question because it depends how their whole lives been. But also another thing that's important is their frequency of meals, because you'll have some people like I have some some professional athletes and stuff that come in, and they might be eating six or seven meals a day. But in relation to their meals, there's signals that happen when you eat that push through your digestive system. So they might have five or six bowel movements a day, but that's not wrong because of the food that they're consuming. Right. But on a generic level for a generic person, I mean, according to like the medical world, it's it's anywhere from one every three days to three a day. In reality, I'm looking for somewhere between one and three a day, I think is a, a good position for the average person. Anything more is too often. Anything less is no good. Unless, of course, there's something to make into it. There's some people that are fasting for 24 hours and obviously you're going to have difficulty with bowel movements if you're not consuming any food. Exactly. I would agree with Colby. I would like to see people go at least once a day. I think that's a good goal we can set. Again, if you've been constipated your entire life and you only pass bowels once every, you know, four days and even getting you down to once every three days, that's an improvement. And that's where we're looking at going here is just improving your overall health and digestion one step at a time. Yeah, exactly. So what we want you guys to do is stand up after you finish your poop and take a look at the poop and see what it looks like. Do not send us pictures. We don't want to see pictures of your poop. So please <laughs> do not do that. But stand up, take a look at your poop, and then we'll post a, an, an infographic uh, that will just show some different kind of textures and sizes and shapes and stuff and give you a little bit of an idea of what is optimal. Um, yeah, that's about it. If you guys have any questions for us, reach out. Give us a shout. And uh, Sarah and Amanda, do you guys have anything to add from there? I was just going to say, start doing it now while you feel good. And that way, when you have issues, God forbid, in the future, you you have a good reference to go on and you know what your normal poop cycle is like. So you can tell when something has changed. And even by looking at it, um, I know I can tell by the change in my poop, maybe something different I ate or, you know, if I had more fat in my diet than I normally do, I can see that and I can see how my body's digesting that. So just something interesting to keep in mind to do on your own at home. A mindful exercise, if you will. <laughs> cool. Well, this one goes along with self-assess. This one goes along with the self-assessment uh, podcast, but this one's the physiological mm-hmm. component, so it's cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can always find us at osteocast underscore on Instagram and all your favorite streaming platforms. Yellow. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.